All righty, let's turn to the book of Titus. Last week we had the overview and uh, encouragement in there. And of course, remember I challenged or just my heart for all you guys. I see you guys all as elders in training. And for me, I'll never forget the day, the night. It was Monday night, November 30th, 1992. Um, reading in the Bible, gotten home from some, some event at the church, remember. And so it was later on at night, and, um, and I was in the process of just continuing to pray because Pastor Steve had approached me about a, more than a year uh, before and asked me to pray about coming on staff to be a pastor. And so, of course, that was a radical decision, incredible, crazy, like, are you kidding me kind of stuff. So I've been praying for a long time. And during this process, though, you know, the Lord was, eh, okay, nothing really was coming. I was praying, I was seeking, but um, I was kind of thinking, though, especially when it came to work, I uh, just wasn't fulfilled in work anymore. I mean, I know a lot of you guys probably came to that place already, like, ah, I wish I could get out of this thing. But, but as a Christian man, my heart and desire was, was not to, you know, beat on my employees. I was managing grocery stores at that time, and uh, and you had to be tough. I mean, it was a tough, tough business to be in. And there was a lot of pressure on you. And so you had to put pressure on people to perform. And just, ah, I just didn't have it in me anymore. You know, all I wanted to do was talk to them about Jesus. So I've been praying, always praying, praying. Well, that night, I started reading. And I came to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And remember, I'm, I'm praying with a general prayer. Lord, you got to speak. But this night when I was reading, it wasn't like, okay, Lord, this is it. I'm going to open the Bible and you're going to show me. No, I was just generally reading. I came to Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I got to tell you guys, it was like there was like electricity in the scriptures and the, the, the verse just, and, and, and I just felt this, like this immediate peace. Especially when I read redeeming the time because the days are evil. And, and it still spoke to my heart. It was like, how could I continue doing what I'm doing in light of how things are in this world when I've been given an opportunity to serve you, Jesus, full time? So the next day, went to work, called up Pastor Steve, said, okay, Lord spoke, here's my scripture. And then March the 3rd, no, March the 29th, 19. 93 was the first day I was here on staff. And I say all this, that in the context of my calling, I believe it's my job and responsibility to encourage all you men here to find your calling. That's the title of the message tonight, The Calling, Titus 1, 1 through 4. And not that every single one of you are called to be pastors or called to step into the church, into full-time ministry, but we are all called to do something for Jesus, to serve him in some fashion, some form. And the Bible is clear. There's a plan for all believers, for everybody to be in some type of service revealed in God's word for you. And I believe he's calling all believers for his kingdom's sake because, remember, he didn't save you just for you. It wasn't so you could just sit in the pew and get all fat and be happy and, I'm going to heaven Hallelujah, praise God. Sorry about the guys out there in the world. You know, that's the way it goes. No. 
He saved you that he might bring you into his kingdom to use you for his kingdom's sake to save many. And when you as a believer find this place, now there's many in the room that have found that place that are continuing to walk in what God has called them to do. Sometimes it's a progressive revelation. You know, you may be in this room and you're an usher. I started as an usher in this church. The call went out over the pulpit. We need ushers. I come from the Nazarene church. And in Nazarene church, I was involved in just about everything. So I come to Calvary, though. God calls me there. And, I, you know, you just can walk in with a little sign saying, hey, I, I can do anything, so pick me. No, you just had, okay, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? Praying. Ushers. Ushers. Boom. Stepped into ushering. And, of course, the rest is history because God progressively moved me to the different places, the different parts of leadership and got involved in leadership and eventually the door opened up. But I'm telling you what, guys, when, when you find that spot and you step into that spot, there's, there's no better place. You, you find your place in his work. You, you experience God in his power, um, in his presence like never before, especially when you're called out of your comfort zone and you, you have to do something that you're not comfortable doing. I wasn't and still not so comfortable doing this stuff here, but yet God calls and God enables and God gives you the ability to step out and to do what he calls you to do. It's a promise. But the greatest thing is you find a joy and a fulfillment that can't really be expressed in words to you. It's like trying to tell somebody about salvation that isn't saved. I mean, you can say all you want, but until that person receives salvation and the light goes on, and until you find that place, until you, you've, you, you know this is where God has called me to be, man, when that happens, you're just like, yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's nothing better than serving Jesus. And that's our heart. And when you realize this, guys, there's no greater privilege, no greater privilege than to serve Jesus and to serve his church and to serve his people so tonight, three main points having to do with the calling. Number one, Paul's call. Number two, the Christian's call. And number three, your call. So number one, Paul's call, verse one through four. Here in this passage here, these four verses, Paul, of course, is, he's given Titus a greeting. And this was customary in all of Paul's letters to one degree or another. Some were pretty brief. Some were even more extensive than this. Romans chapter 1, that greeting there is super, it's deep too. Tons of, of doctrine in there. But most of the time, Paul was establishing his position and authority. And it's interesting, he writes this to Titus. He knows Titus. I mean, he's, he's ministering to him. But when you read this, it's like, hey, Titus, uh, hi, my name is Paul. I'm introducing myself to you. It's, but he's, re, he's writing in such a way because he understands and knows that this letter will be read and, and shared elsewhere by people who do not know Paul, do not know who he is. He establishes his authority. He also establishes Titus's authority. And, of course, the greeting spoke of who he was and what he was called to do. So he says, Paul, a bondservant of God. Number one, Paul was a bondservant. First, before anything that like we talked last week, and he was a bondservant in heart. And, of course, this means one who is given complete and total devotion and service to their master. And it was, it's interesting. Paul chose to be a bondservant. 
And it's a free will choice. All of us can be and all of us should be bondservants, but you're not going to be forced to be a bondservant. Why? Of course, the principle is out of Exodus 21, where when a slave who had been with his master the seven years in Levitical law, it was time for him to be released, he was given the freedom. Hey, you can go or you can stay. And the bondservant who wanted to stay stayed because he loved his master so much. He was treated so well. So they'd go before the judges. They would take in all. They would pierce his ear. And he would say, I'm staying with you forever. He was a bondservant because he loved his master. Paul was a bondservant because he loved Jesus. We're bondservants because we love Jesus and what he's done. Paul chose to be a bondservant. So he goes on to say, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, the second thing, of course, Paul was called to be an apostle. In Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul uses the phrase, he was called to be an apostle. And this word called, kletos, is one who is divinely selected or appointed. And this spoke of one who was invited as to a banquet. He, he, was, he was called, and you guys are called. You're invited to this place of serving Jesus. And also this word apostle, as we understand, was an envoy, an ambassador, a messenger. One who is sent, commissioned, and empowered by God. And in the original use of the term referred to the twelve. And it was to those who had seen the resurrected Jesus and were commissioned by him. That was how you were defined as an apostle. Now, this included Paul because of his experience and his encounter that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And we're going to read that encounter here tonight. And we see that Paul also was commissioned by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He goes on to say, according to the faith of God's elect, to those who are saved... And the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. This, this faith, this common faith that was part of what everybody believed who were, who were true to God and his word. And this truth that accords to godliness or this truth that brings godliness into our lives. In hope of eternal life. Now it wasn't a hope like I hope I win the lotto. This hope, of course, is an anchor for our soul. It's, it's an assurity. It's a certainty. We have the hope of eternal life. And, of course, we understand eternal life, which God, who cannot lie. Isn't that cool? He can't lie. Promised before time began. How does that happen? How did that work out? God, before time began, sat there. The beginning of it all, the plan that he had for our salvation, for the salvation of mankind, for all men, all men who choose and all men who chose Jesus Christ. In hope of eternal life before time began. But has in due time, in that time where the the mystery was revealed, the mystery of the gospel, manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me, to Paul, according to the commandment of God our Savior. So we see here that Paul was commissioned by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And as believers, guys, all of us, we're commissioned as well. This gospel isn't just to be spoken of by the evangelist. Not that we're all evangelists. There's a calling that is specific to a man. You may have the gift of evangelism. You may not, but it doesn't mean that you're you're void of having to say anything about Jesus. Now, apostles, of course, 
who we all are in definition, but not in office. And that apostolic office ended when those apostles passed on to die and went on to be with the Lord. But nowadays, people will take that title to themselves and walk around, I'm the apostle. It's, it's a title of pride, just like the title of bishop, unfortunately. And in this idea of being called and commissioned, we are commissioned. We are to be apostles. We are to be sent ones to go out into this world. Sad to say, though, that so many miss this calling. They, they miss the blessings, the joy of being called by God and going out and being used. They're missing out. They're, they're disobedient to the calling. And call, or course, number three, Paul being commanded by Jesus as part of this calling The preaching of the gospel was personally given to him from Jesus. Turn with me to Acts chapter 26. To the left, Acts 26. This is incredible. This is the third time I think Paul shares his testimony in the book of Acts. But this one here is the best one. This story here is incredible. Paul, of course, is on his way to die, basically. He's on his way to see Caesar. He's here before King Agrippa. They're in Caesarea Maritima. Now, those of us who have been to Israel know exactly the place where Paul was when he preached this message to King Agrippa and all those who came. It's this amphitheater that's a half a circle made out of stone. It's in the most amazing place. You're, you're right there. You're looking down. The ocean's right there. It's just, oh. And I'm looking at Mike, I'm looking at Ray. They know what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> it was an incredible, incredible spot, but it's amazing. He was there speaking to these guys. But he goes on to say, while thus occupied, verse 12, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light. That's how they got that song from. I saw the lamp. I saw a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun, and who, of course, was that light? None other than Jesus, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when he had, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads." So I said, "Who are you, Lord?" And he said, "I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, like dummy." And then he says, but rise and stand on your feet. And here, you, here it is. This was the ultimate come to Jesus meeting. Amen. Rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you. So, of course, Paul saw him. And that was the reason why Paul could be called an apostle. Jesus had appeared to him, the resurrected Jesus, to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen, And of the things which I will yet reveal to you, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Here it is, the purpose for the call to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, the gospel preached by Jesus to Paul. Therefore, King Agrippa... I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul could have said no. He could have had this happen and said, you know what? I'm out of here. He could have done the Jonah on him. 
but he doesn't, of course. But declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that you should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and, of course, right now he's witnessing to the great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. I'm just preaching what they already knew. That here it is, the gospel, that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Back with me to Titus. We see this was the calling that was commanded by Jesus to Paul. This was Paul's call, and this call was specific to him. And in the Bible, we have a a ton of guys that have specific calls that were to them personally from God. Abraham, called to be the father of many nations. Moses, called to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua, called to take Israel into the promised land. Jeremiah, called to prophesy the impending judgment against the nation of Israel. You think of the disciples, called by Jesus to continue what he started, to continue the gospel. Peter and Andrew specifically called by Jesus to be fishers of men. Timothy, of course, called by God to take the mantle from Paul. And we see these examples in the Bible of of specific callings on men who were just, just like us. And, of course, throughout history, we see men in history, men of God who've been called Specifically, thinking, of course, modern day, Billy Graham, called to be the evangelist to the world, and our very own Pastor Chuck Smith, called to start this Calvary movement uh, that is continuing on, of course, even after his death. So we see the call. Now, that call, of course, being specific, moving into number two, we see the Christian's call. See, there are specific calls. I have a specific call. You here, there are many of you, you have a specific call that you need to find, you need to seek, you need to ask God to show you. But also there is what we call the general calls, so to speak, for every Christian believer that are clearly outlined in God's word. And I've gone through and taken out kind of some of them are just like called to do this, called to this, called to this, called to this. But in, but in general, we are called to be disciples. We are called to follow the example of Jesus. We're called to... Um, allow him to transform us more and more and more into his image every day to represent him to a lost and dying world. But for us, this call as Christians, as general, first, we're called out of darkness. In Second Peter, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where is it here? It says here that he was, that They are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called, you guys. We were called out of darkness. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's who we were. That's where we were. We've been called, we've been chosen by God to be his people. We are being called to walk in his light 
and we're no longer to walk in bondage. Jesus, when he came, he, he broke the chains. He set us free. He set the captives free. We're called out of darkness, but also we're called to be saints. Even though you may not feel like a saint, you're called to be saints. Romans chapter 1, verse 7 says, we are the beloved of God called to be saints. It means that we are to be separated from other men in the sense of this sanctification process uh, from the objects and the pursuits of the things of this world. Consecrated, set apart for the service of God. And if you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to see here that we're, there's three different places or things that we're called to in this book alone. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. That's a few pages to the right there, maybe about 10, I don't know. But first off, we see that we're called to holiness. What a calling. Called to holiness. 1 Peter 1.15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And this idea of us being holy, we're called to, um, to, to, to walk in such a way, not that we will ever be holy. We are holy because of the blood of Jesus. We are set apart because of what Christ did. But in my desire and your desire to walk and represent Jesus, there has to be the standard. What is the standard? It's holiness. It's, it's, it's perfection. That's, that's, in a sense, the goal. Now, we know that in this life, in this flesh, we ain't never going to reach it. And thank God that for wherever we're deficient in our walks, he makes up the gap. That's what grace is all about. I mean, one of you might be great in this area and horrible in this area. One of you might be doing really good in this area, but, but terrible over here. And, and it's like, a, like an equalizer. And Jesus, the top of the equalizer and, and the different channels going up and down like that, well, wherever you're weak, he meets you. You may be all the way to, you might be a nine, but Steve, Jesus still meets you to make you the 10. This is the idea of holiness, you guys. It's a desire to be, be righteous before God and his people and to walk in his ways. So we're called to holiness. Number four, though, we're called to suffer patiently. Anybody like that idea? Called to suffer patiently. First Peter chapter two, verse 18. And, and he's speaking really in the idea of, of us being submissive to those we work for. Anybody enjoy working for people who treat you like a slave? And maybe you don't have that experience, but that's kind of the, the picture here. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if, because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. In other words, because of your relationship with Jesus, you go to work and your boss treats you like, like bosses treat you, and yet you endure it patiently. You don't respond in the flesh. You don't take them out in the parking lot and whoop them upside one side and the other. You, you, don't, you don't explode. You don't, you don't turn on them. We do this for conscience sake toward God. Verse 20, though, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? So if you're doing something wrong, there's no good in that. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable for God. God sees this, guys. This word commendable was, was 
kind of in the idea of what Jesus did for God, for us on the cross. That was a commendable act that God recognized. It's a commendable act when you take it, and you take it in the name of Jesus. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. When you go through this life, guys, and you're unjustly treated, and you follow the example of Jesus, God sees that, and that is commendable. You are called to suffer patiently in that manner. But number five, though, you are called to be a blessing. First Peter chapter 3. Paul in this, I mean, Peter in this idea of calling. Verse 8, he goes on to say, finally, all of you, and this, is, this really speaks of a lot of the characteristics of Jesus right here. And this is good for us to read this. This is stuff that you meditate on and you, 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 you line yourself up. How am I doing in this area? How am I doing in here? How about this area here? Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, huh, blessing, blessing those who curse you, as Paul said in Romans chapter 12. Knowing, though, that you were called to this, you guys, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears open to their prayers. Important to hear that, eh? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, those who don't practice these things, those who don't, in response of Jesus' love, represent him in such a way where we are trying to do our best to do what Jesus would do. Amen? Called to these things. And then we see also that we are, number six, we're called to eternal life. Go two pages to the left from Titus over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We hear them pages changing. Sounds like rain. The Holy Spirit's raining on the pages. 1 Timothy 6, called to eternal life. It's getting better, guys. It's getting better. Paul's telling Timothy here. He says, verse 11, but you, O man of God, in reference to Paul just chastising basically those who pursue money as their God. Those who think that godliness is a, a means to gain as the prosperity doctrine preaches and teaches. But you, O oh man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Guys, fight the good fight of faith. When we act this way, when we pursue these things, we're fighting the good fight of faith. And we're lay, he says, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and confess and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight, guys. This world has nothing for us is what Paul is saying, especially when it comes to this area of money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness 
and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And this call, guys, also, like I said, is for all believers. So you're called out of darkness, you're called to be saints, you're called to holiness, you're called to suffer patiently, called to be a blessing, called to eternal life. And, and in this calling, guys, as we operate in this calling, as we walk in these ways, then the, the non-believers that are around us, they're going to see a truer representation of Jesus than what they see. Because unfortunately, sad to say, the average Christian doesn't walk in this type of calling. They walk after themselves in the flesh, naming Jesus and then using his name in vain in the conversation along with every other cuss word that's in the book. So the Christian's call, lastly, number three, your call. Your call. Now we know the general about how we're to live, how we're to walk, we know there's this specific call, but what has call, God called you to do? That's the question that we want to finish with tonight. And some in the room know exactly why they were born, why God has called them, why he saved them. Some don't have a clue. But we ask ourselves the questions, why, God? Why did you save me? What is it you want me to do? And I hope you're asking those questions. Mark Twain said it this way, the two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Why were you born? When we look at it from a biblical perspective, it certainly wasn't to pursue all the things in this earth. You were born. God had a plan for, and he has a plan for every man, every woman on this earth. And that plan of salvation is freely given to all who will believe because of what Christ did on the cross. No distinction. He died once for all. But why did he die for you? What was his plan for you? So when you're, when you're searching for this, you got to first, how do you find out? How do you find out God's will? Really, it's, it's a simple process that takes time, of course. But the challenge is making sure you are hearing from the Lord. And this is something that we pray a lot with people. Gosh, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I'm, I'm, I, whatever. Well, it's not such a complicated process that he wants you to try and take the next 50 years of your life to figure out. And yet a lot of people will make the excuse. Say, well, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear. I'm still, I'm still kind of, I'm still trying to figure out, well, how long have you been praying? About 10 years now. No, 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 no. How do you find out? Number one, ask means pray. Just ask. Lord, what would you have me to do? When I was in prayer, simple. Lord, do you want me to enter the ministry or not? Lord, show me. Speak to me. Open the doors. Close doors. Asking God. And he was faithful. Secondly, seek. Means, means to look for open doors. One of the things when I was praying about it and, and continuing to kind of go forward in this process was like, Lord, open every door that you want open, but also Lord, give me the courage to walk through those open doors. See, the door for ministry never closed from the perspective of Pastor Steve 
in, in the church. And I'm telling you what, a lot of times I think, just let it close. Let it close. Let it close. And yet it wouldn't. And so this, these open doors, and maybe a bulletin or video announcement, you see. And God just goes, boom. Or maybe someone in the church asked you for help to do something. And you, you jump in, and you begin, and you, wow. I mean, we just had the picnic and baptism. A lot of people it took to cause, to, to have that event take place. A lot of people asked to help. A lot of people jumping in to help. A lot of people being blessed out of their minds just because they got to stand behind a table and, and give you a hot dog or a hamburger. I'm telling you. But also, maybe a pastor comes up to you and, and maybe suggests something to you. I'll never forget this. This is a story with Anthony Maddenbayan, uh, the guy that runs the bridge ministry. Last year, yeah. Last year, um, as I was praying about the team, it was, it was, was kind of like a SEAL team that I kind of handpicked to go uh, on this, and, and the Lord put Anthony on my heart. So I was praying about who, who should we take? Okay, man, you know, man, what about Anthony, Lord? Yeah, yeah, he'd be perfect. He, he's, he teaches the bridge. He's, he's younger, and there's a lot of um, younger kids that go to this church in Can Leon, and, and he's Filipino. Like, this was, it'd be perfect. So sure enough, I was, hey. So I go up to him before service. He was actually playing drums in the main sanctuary. And I said, hey, Anthony, after service, I want to chat with you. He's like, okay, look on the face, like, (laughs) crack me up. So I go up to him after the service. Anthony, come here a second. Hey, Anthony, I just want to tell you, I I believe God is calling you to join us on this trip to the Philippines. And man, you should have seen the look on his face. He'll tell you himself. God had already begun to speak to him. His dad had been involved in the, the Philippine mission ministry and and he'd heard about the trips, and he just, and, and God was stirring his heart. So the cool thing how God works, God was stirring his heart, God stirs my heart, I approach him, I go and suggest, and then he's got this look in his face like, oh my gosh, this could be happening. And so we're standing up to the front of the sanctuary, it was so cool, and we're talking to him, talking to him, and Pastor, Steve, Pastor Jeff comes walking by, and just kind of sees him, and says, hey, what are you guys doing, what are you talking about? I just, and I said, I just told Anthony, I think he's supposed to go to the Philippines with us. And Jeff says, I'll make it real easy for you. We'll pay your way. Done deal. And, and then he just almost falls on the ground. <laughs> and of course, he went and had one of the best times of his life. So how do we find out? We ask, we seek, we knock. And a lot of times, this knocking here, we, 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 we step out in faith, guys. That's what it means. In order for the Jordan to be stopped up, if you know the story, what did the priest have to do first? They had to put their foot in the water. It doesn't say they walked up to the Jordan and waited. They walked up to the Jordan that had overflowed and they put their foot into the river. And when they did that, then the waters were stopped up the stream. And of course, looking at my Israel buddies, we were at the spot where Jesus was baptized, where they believed the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, where the Jordan was stopped. Amen, brothers? <laughs> but the first step might be the hardest, guys. But God rewards those who step out in faith. It's all through the scriptures. 
See, when I came to Calvary from Nazarene Church, as I said, they needed ushers. I said to myself, I could usher. So I took a step of faith. I jumped into ushering. And from there, God just continued to lead and guide and direct. And the, the cool thing about it, guys, is this. See, a lot of people think, well, you, you wait like, well, no, no. I, I, for me to do this, Jesus has to appear to me like he did to Paul on the road to Damascus. Well, I think you're going to be waiting for a long time for that to happen. That was a specific call for Paul. God doesn't need to appear to you a bolt of lightning, although he does. Some of those, not bolt of lightning, but things like that happen. Sometimes you just step out in faith. God is not going to penalize you or punish you because you heard that they needed ushers and you stepped to be an usher and you found out, well, that just wasn't the spot. Oftentimes, how God works is you may start here, but where you end up is where he really wanted you in the first place, but you had to start somewhere. And a lot of times this process is progressive. It's like when you're moving, things happen in life. But if you stay in your house and you just sit on the couch and you're watching TV and you expect things to happen, it ain't going to happen. It's when you get up, when you start moving, you start going forward, you start asking, seeking and knocking, things happen. Doors open and then you'll find the place that God wants you to be. And it's a wonderful thing. So how do you find out? Ask, seek, knock. What does God look for? Number one, really, I believe those who are servants. Do you have a servant heart? Do you have a heart to serve others? It's important. If you don't like serving others, but how can you not? When God touches your heart, when he changes your life, because Jesus himself said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for me. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, I believe God puts within all of our hearts a desire to serve. Now, some in a greater fashion, a greater ability than others, but it should be there. So that's one of the things that God looks for. But also, he looks for those who are willing because you're not going to be forced. God does not force anybody to be saved. God won't force you to do anything. Now, he'll do all kinds of things to corral and by his spirit to direct and guys, you know, close the door here, open the door here, you know. I mean, because a lot of times we're pretty dumb, you know, so he's got to make it a little bit easier for us. But you're not going to be forced. Those who are willing, we know the story of Isaiah in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, his calling, credible. You read that story in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he goes through this whole thing, this whole process. And then he, he hears God speaking. We need to send somebody. We need to pick somebody. We need somebody to go. You know the story. Who will go for us? Who shall I send? Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. I'm willing. And when you bow before the Lord and you're asking him, you're, you're seeking, you're knocking, and you say, Lord, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Just show me. Man, I'm willing to serve. But also he calls those who are, are inadequate. And what I mean by this, guys, is if you think you got it all together and you're God's gift to God, 
unfortunately, there's people that find themselves like that. They're like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm the Antonio Brown of, of Christianity here, you know. Sorry, all you fans. But man, and that's what it was about. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, Not that we are sufficient or adequate of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency or adequacy is from God. And this is the Apostle Paul. Remember the Apostle Paul who said, You know what? I was before you in fear and trembling. I, I couldn't even speak. He wasn't adequate in himself. We are not. When we were in that place where we recognize, and, and it's a good place to be. And there's a guy that years ago was about the same time I came on staff. He wanted to be a pastor. He was talking with Pastor Steve. But the problem was that he had all that you would think was needed. He had the education. He had the training. He had all this. But the sad thing was, he knew it. And based upon what he had, he thought that's why he should have been chosen. He was adequate in himself. He was sufficient in himself. And God can't use a man like that. God uses men that look in themselves and say, hmm. like Moses, Lord, unless you show up, I'm not going. So, those who are willing, those who are adequate. But also, number three, the characteristics of some who God chose. Now, you think of these characteristics of these guys that God chose. Well, you know, educated, strong. No. Most of them were fearful. Joshua, the story of Joshua, read that story. I think there's like seven times where the Lord, either through Moses or himself, says, Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And oftentimes, it is fear that keeps us back from doing what God wants us to do. And it's a bummer because the devil loves fear. The fear of, of maybe speaking in front of people. The fear of maybe not looking smart in front of people. You know, I don't know all about the Bible or, or when you're sharing with people at work, you know, and, and maybe you're just, you know, you're not a theologian. You know, you don't have to be. You just tell them your story. Your story, what Jesus did for you. But fear, that was one of the characteristics. They were fearful. But also, they were unable in themselves to do what God called them to do. Moses, man, talk about a guy who backpedaled for a long time in that story. I mean, he, he, he got... He was pushing God's buttons. Man, Lord, who am I? I'm slow of speech and a tongue. And finally, God, you know, relinquish, relinquishes or whatever and, and, and basically says, okay, I'll, I'll take Aaron then. Okay, Aaron will speak. You will tell Aaron what to speak and Aaron will be the spokesperson. Moses, just zip it. It's me. I'm the one. I formed the tongue. I'm the one who can use I'm the one that would do it all. But also these characteristics... Or he chose plain, old, ordinary men. We think of Gideon. The story of Gideon. I love that story. Angel of the Lord appears before Gideon. Gideon thinks he's dead because the angel's like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm over. 
And yet, really, God says, no, Gideon, almighty man. And Gideon says, oh, my Lord. No, you got the wrong guy. That's my words. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. See the characteristics of, of those who God chooses? Not that those are the only people that God chooses, but for those of us who think that we're not worthy or think we don't have the ability or think we can't do it, you're, you're first in line. Because when God's power begins to work in you, and you know it, and of course others know it, who gets the glory? Amen. And then regarding this call or serving, some important things, guys. Understand, it's not a condition of salvation. If you stay right where you're at for the rest of your days on earth, your salvation is still intact. Because we're saved by what? By grace, through faith, not of works. And there be those who will tell you that unless you do these works, not about your salvation. You, you, you got to question whether you're saved or not. That's a cult. That's a lie. It's not a condition of salvation. Also, it does not cause God to love you more. Remember that. His love is not conditioned upon me and you and how we perform, how good we are, how bad we are, how much we serve, what we don't serve. God doesn't love Billy Graham any more than he loves you or me. His love is unconditional. But also, when you're in this place of calling or serving, it doesn't make you any better than others. Important to remember that. Because the the way the enemy loves to work is to come in and, and bring in spiritual pride. You know, I've got this education, or I can say this thing, or I can speak this way, or I can do these things, so... You know, sorry for all the rest of you guys, you know. Uh-uh. Don't become a Pharisee. Don't become a Pharisee when God calls you to something. Because understanding that let him who boasts, boast in who? Boast in the Lord. Because it has nothing to do with me or you. It's all his spirit working in us and through us. Which in reality is, is actually, it's, it's, it's a relief. Recognizing, you know what, Lord? Even tonight. If you don't show up, it's on you. It's on you. It's not on me. So why answer the call, guys? Why pray? Why ask? Why seek? Why knock? Really, guys, ultimately, from my heart to yours, man, when you find that place, there's no greater joy. Really, it comes down to you being, in, in a sense, in line with the God of the universe who, who chose Jeremiah from his womb, before he was even born, he was born, God knew him and God chose him. That, that you, you fall in line with this plan that God has. And it's this beautiful harmony that, that happens with the working of God's Holy Spirit in your life. And then as you're being used, and then it helps you to endure the things of this life. Like I said, not all of you are going to be called into full-time ministry where you get your, your paycheck from the church. You're still going to be out there working in the pits sometimes. But in the midst of working in the pit, you have this joy that says, you know what? When I was still working in the world and I was coming to church, 
I couldn't wait to get out of work, to get to church for the men's study or the different things that were happening and going on. Man, that was, that was my joy. That was my, oh my gosh, I can, I can endure this day because I know. Before I got saved, how did I endure the day? The six packs in the refrigerator. I got the joint in the car. I got the line of Coke all ready to go. I mean, that's what the stuff that was in the back of my head. It was my motivation. Jesus is now your motivation. He is now your joy. He is now your satisfaction. He's the one that satisfies. He's the one that helps you put your head in a pillow at night and go, oh my God, thank you, Lord. That was so cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for using me. Thank you for doing what you did. We, we for the baptism Saturday, and I'll, I'll close here, a lot of the guys were gone, so um, I was talking with Jeff. I said, hey, you know what? Um, I'm thinking of, of pulling one of, one of the guys on staff that isn't a pastor to help baptize. And then, yes, it was, it was Andrew, the guy that uh, assists Jeff in children's ministry. And, he, and then Jeff says, hey, what do you think about Anthony? Anthony Madden I said, great, I'll call him, see if he's, he's available. Now, these guys aren't pastors, technically. But remember, we're all pastors, amen? So we gave him a call, told him, hey, we're going to use you to baptize. I'm going to tell you what. Saturday, for those two brothers, if you were to talk to them right now, they're going to tell you that was probably like one of the best days of their lives. To be in that pool, to be used by God, to baptize people. And I'm going to tell you what, as a pastor, over 26 years now, the baptisms, they take it all. It is the most enjoyable, the most blessed time to sit there and baptize people. It's just like this. It's crazy good. But guys, when you find that place, I'm telling you, see, there's no condemnation here. There's no guilt. There's no pressure, so to speak. It's just just us and the men's, and the men's leadership who have found that place as well. Mark Caleb again. Mark, you're here. How many years have you been here? 37. How long have you been serving Jesus here? You think by now you'd be like, man, I'm tired of this stuff. I'm done. No, 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 no. It's the joy of his life. And it's the joy of your life if you let God take and take you where he wants to take you. And you never know. Sitting in this room could be the next pastor at Calvary Chapel South Bay. Not that that's like, okay, oh, yeah, but it's still something that God wants to do in your heart and your life. Amen? Let's pray. Amen. So, Father, again, I thank you so much for my brothers here. And I thank you, Lord, for the call that you have upon their life. And I pray for all those, Lord, who know what you're doing in their life, Lord, they will continue in it. Lord, not knowing where it's all going to lead, truly, how amazing you are. But, Lord, for those who are still searching, those who are still asking, seeking, and knocking, God, reveal your plan to them, Lord, I pray, that even as they open your word, even as you spoke to me clearly from your word, Lord, you would do the same, and you would bless them, and you would fill them to overflowing. Even as, as Ephesians comes to my mind, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us. So, Lord, bless them, I pray. Their group time, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, brothers. So those of you that are brand new or don't have a group, come up here in front. Albert will be waiting for you. The rest of you guys, head to your groups. Hang out with the guys and pray your wives don't text you to leave too soon. <laughs>